Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit, and they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Daddy brought a book for you to read. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I don't want to drink out of this cup. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Do, do, do. Let's not shame anyone. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. He has lice. I'm checking his hair for lice. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week we're talking about parenting with an audience. Another great listener suggestion for an episode topic. It's a listener suggestion, but this is a topic, Amy, that I have heard you expound on many, many times. It's not a bee in your bonnet, but it's something you think about. How differently we parent when other people are listening. Yes. And the people are watching. And I was just walking my daughter to school this morning and thinking like how particularly relevant this might be in New York City, where there is always an audience. I mean, there's always a big audience of anonymous strangers, but there's a lot of people around all the time watching your parenting. Although, and we'll get to this, like, this is also a whole new world with online and social media, right? Like there's always someone watching in this like presentational, like, look at me parenting way, you know? Wow. I mean, you're right. I hadn't even really thought about that. I was thinking of this more in the real world way, but sure, the social media thing, parenting for an audience, like the guy, I'm sure everybody has seen that guy who taped himself during his wife's birth with like the flip book of do you remember when we first met? And then he puts it on social media, like, and people show up with all these accolades. Like, isn't he wonderful? Just in case you haven't seen it, it's a lady in labor and her husband is like doing a flip book that's like, you are the most amazing wife. And then you flip the page. It's like, and with just a few pushes, you will be the most amazing mother our daughter could have ever known. Flip. You know, your hair is so shiny. Like, it's like, just like all these like really treacly compliments to the wife. And I don't know, I kind of felt bad for them because they just got pummeled on social media. But it was so like OTT over the top of like, oh, it was just so attention seeking. It was so like done for social media instead of being in the room with your wife when she's about to give birth to your child. Oh, anyway, that guy was parenting. I don't know what that was. He was something for an audience. And I think he got the smackdown that he deserved. And ABC News calling him father of the year, by the way. So it depended on who you that's right. It was very much like the perspective of like, this is like the epitome of a loving husband who would like 
read you or present you with these like beautiful words while you were in labor. And every mom on Twitter was like, are you kidding me? I would have had one of the nurses like hand me a scalpel so I could kill him. Like, yeah. So this is, well, let's talk about what Kristen suggested. This was Kristen's topic suggestion of parenting with an audience. And she says she's thinking about this in relation to parenting a younger child with other children around. And really it could be any one child with other children watching, which you talked about last week about when you were at the dinner table and one of your kids was acting up and you were sort of saying, hey, at the dinner table, we don't behave that way. And you were saying, yeah, I'm doing that at least as much for the audience of the other children who are watching as for this kid. Like this kid isn't really listening to me if he's in red brain, but at least the other kids know like, okay, there is still a line being drawn here. The line's being crossed, but the line still exists. You're parenting, you know, for that audience. And then, of course, there's also raising your kids in front of your parents, in front of the in-laws, in front of other parents that you do or don't really know. Strangers is one kind of audience and your own family is another kind of audience. And they both have their own complications, I think. Yeah, I like it. I'm ready to dive in. Tell me what you got. All right. So so the overall things, overall question for the episode, I think, is have you ever felt like shamed or forced or nudged into a parenting in a way that you wouldn't usually because you were in a public situation? Oh, oh, no, Amy, never, never happened. As I've gotten deeper into parenting and had three children, I have completely a lot of this has burned off me, like burning through the hot atmosphere. It has just like burned off the heat shield protectors. And I'm like. Just go ahead and look at me while my kid screams in here. I really don't care. But of course, everyone has had that moment of like, my kid is the kid having a tantrum at Target and everyone is like, like the heads all turn around like in up when the squirrel, you know, like everyone's like tantrum child and like everyone's watching you. And it's like, now what are you going to do? I was in an elevator just last week with a kid having a tantrum and it was an So I was the unwilling audience, right? It was a mom and a babysitter and a two, three-year-old who was in there like, I don't want to drink out of this cup. Like he was just, he was gone. So I did silently judge the idea to take him onto the, like calm him down, right? Don't bring him into an enclosed space with anybody, let alone a stranger. And he was the whole way like, why are you? Like all the way up to the 32nd floor, just melting down with me standing there and like the definitely the mom and the babysitter were both like looking at me like what does she think what is she doing and I was trying so hard to like not look blank face not give them any like pretend I'm not here like just deal with the kid and it was just this awkward situation where I definitely was thinking like you're handling this the wrong like they were trying to get him to he was upset about them having brought the wrong sippy cup for him to drink out of that they needed to go home and get him a different sippy cup but of course Everybody knows it's not really about the sippy cup. Like it's, we just need to reset at this point. And they were trying to calm him down like right now, right now, right now, because I was standing there and they were definitely, anyway, it just was a weird situation for me to be in. And I was the audience and like, I'm really trying not to give off any vibes right now, but I can't help it because I'm standing 18 inches away from you. Amy, I feel like my new bit is coming in hot with a controversial opinion that often turns out not to be controversial at all because you're like, everyone thinks that. But I'm going to come in hot with what I think is a controversial pro-social shaming opinion. I feel like in this era, every piece that you read online is like, don't you dare judge me when my kid has a meltdown in Target and like 86 things to never say to a mom with a struggling. I'm pro some social shaming. Like, it's fine. It's sort of like you should not have a tantruming child in the restaurant with me. I am fine with people glaring at you and that kid. Like, 
what are we are social animals like we exist in concert with each other in public and there is some role to like maintaining social norms through people giving you dirty looks that's part of our genetic makeup as a social creature Going back to the guy with the flip book the other day, only because I talked about this with my husband and kids all weekend, they were like, it's not fair that people are making fun of him. Like, yes, it is. Because he, well, first of all, adult, this is different. Put it on social media. Like, you can like it or not like it. I have a right to react however I want to the guy with the flip book or your kid screaming in the restaurant. I don't have to police my reaction to your misbehaving child. There is a line where it becomes a community pile on where I get uncomfortable. And I agree with that. Like, I did find that completely grotesque what the guy did. But I don't like it when we tip into like the mob where like every there's 4000 people being like, what a jerk. Like, I do think when it tips into like a mob just beating someone with a stick, it becomes unattractive. But the general in the same way that like I was on a plane once and there was a crying kid and some I mean, it was really like out of a movie, some like really annoying looking like business guy dude screamed like seven rows behind him, shut that kid up. And the moms on the plane all turned on him and they were like, you shut up, dude, you know, and like it became this big plane fight kind of. And so I'm not for like, don't be unhelpful. But the fact that you're crying toddler on a plane is making other people bristle. That's true. Like, I don't think we can all just sit there and be like, do, 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 let's not shame anyone. Like, it's kind of fine to be like, yeah, a tantruming child in an elevator is annoying. Like, that's fine with Right. Right. Exactly. Not that we should glare at them, but like, I'm fine with you being like, oh, my God, like, get a clue, parents. That's how parents feel pressured to get a clue. (laughs) They would have learned something. Well, the elevator is like, I'm sure they perceive me as having passive aggressive reactions that I was trying very hard not to express, which is what made them passive. But like the airplane, let's go to the airplane because that is the perfect worst example of this because the elevator, as soon as I saw what floor they were pushing, I could like count down the seconds until it wasn't my problem anymore. An airplane trapped in an airplane with a crying toddler because it's past their nap time or they're hungry or there was a delay or their ears hurt, right? Or like I had a kid throw up on a plane repeatedly. Like there's lots of reasons a kid can have a meltdown over and over again. My middle guy was the one who always screamed on airplanes. And it's this is when this is a problem because you might, I think I agree with what you're saying that people are allowed to react however they want, not that guy shaming them. But, you know, people can roll their eyes and tisk. And you have to be careful about taking too much of that in becoming like a shrieking harridan at your own child and parenting, you know, losing your patience or parenting inappropriately because other people don't like that your kid is crying or becoming the absolute worst person on the plane, the performative good parent. Because everyone's been on a plane with this person. I will say possibly unfairly that it's usually a dad who's like, Michael, have a seat. We're going to have good plane behavior, right? Don't worry, Michael. Daddy brought a book for you to read. Oh, Michael, you're getting upset. Let's try one of our snacks. And it's like a five hour monologue by the dad or mom loudly performing for you what an amazing plain parent they are. Like that's the person who I'm like, businessman, go ahead and scream at that dad. Shriek at him if you want. Like let's all ball up our napkins and throw them at Michael's dad because we don't like him. Well, okay. So Dr. Laura Markham, she's a parenting expert we've quoted on this show before. I think we've heard from her before. 
We have. You're going to like, I have here her advice for in being in a situation like kids screaming on an airplane, just because it is like the perfect worst example of parenting with an audience. Everybody's like, shut up that kid right now. And how are you going to do it? I don't know. I'm just going to turn around in my seat and, and watch. So she says, if you're in this situation, forget about long-term development and go for distraction. Like don't do the best solution to this problem. Just solve the problem. Like I always have lollipops and cookies and things ready for this. Something that's more interesting. We call this sky rules. Right. Something that's more interesting than screaming. I can't scream and, you know, have this little bit of candy. Go for the distraction. But remember, she says, your first responsibility is to your child. When your child is screaming on the airplane and all eyes are on you, you want to control it or keep her quiet. And yes, she says, the passengers have a right to a flight that isn't dominated by your hellion. But focusing on them, she says, will make you more anxious and will actually hinder your ability to help your kid. Yeah, I mean, that is a dangerous piece of advice, your first responsibility to your child, because I do feel like that is the person who I definitely judge and I judge with no compunction, which is the person who's like, oh, is something wrong, Ethel? And I'm like, I don't care what's wrong with Ethel. Get that kid a lollipop. Like, yes, your responsibility is to your child, but I would say it's more 50-50. Like, I get what you're saying is like, don't get so crazy about the other people that you're not tending to your child's needs. But like, it will make you less good at getting your kid to stop crying. She's arguing because you're not focused on the child. You're focused on, oh my God, everybody's mad at me. As long as it doesn't become my child's need supersede the other people's annoyance. Don't agree. Absolutely. But she says the passengers are less interested in judging you than they are in your kid being quiet. So, oh, so true. Right. So quiet the kid down and don't make it about you. Sometimes you will parent in front of a disapproving audience or a misunderstanding audience. And that's okay. Yeah. And too bad. So sad. Like sometimes you got a teething baby on the plane. And like I once had a breastfeeding baby and I had a big guy sitting next to me and I was like, listen, there is going to be some unwanted contact between the two of us. You are a big guy and I'm a breastfeeding mom and like we are in a really tight plane seat and like I'm sure you would rather not, you know, be this up in my physical body feeding my child. But like the only other option is a screaming kid. So like you're going to have to deal with this, which is not great either. Sorry, but like it's the worst of two. There is something in here that I want to pick out that is so much larger than just this conversation, which is don't worry about long-term development in the moment. Like I just did a question of the week that was sent from someone being like, I'm afraid that my kid is going to stop liking baths because I insist on them taking baths. And I think this thing of like this 18 year view of like, well, I don't want to mess up my child's blah, blah, blah. I think so many times that is you got to take that right out of the equation. Your child is not going to have traumatic memories of bathing when they're 32 because you made them take a bath when they were two. Like, and I'm kind of goofing on it, but with a great deal of sympathy because this is a problem I face all the time. And I used to face even more when my kids were little. Like, well, I don't want them to associate the dinner table with bad feelings. So I guess I'll just let them eat a roll every night for four weeks. Like, long term development has to come out of the equation and like it's task at hand time. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to believe when you're in that moment that you will have a 14 year old who is like, really? I used to scream when it was time to take a bath, but you will. They won't remember anything about it. Right. And on the plane is not time to be like, well, I need to respect their voice. Like task at hand. When you're out of control, my overall advice is like, make it a lot smaller. What can we do to get through the next 
10 minutes? What can we do to get through the next half an hour? And let's not worry about whether they're going to be telling a therapist one day, like I ate, or the dentist is going to yell at you for too many lollipops. Like in the moment, take the small view. Especially when you're in an enclosed situation, like an airplane or an elevator or a wedding or like someplace where you need to solve the problem right now and everybody's watching. Exactly. That is true task at hand time. Okay. When we come back, we're going to talk about what happens when your family members are watching. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew. And believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies. And as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360 degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, When you've got kids, as just about everybody listening to this right now does, you're probably looking at what they eat and seriously wondering how they could possibly be getting all of the vitamins and minerals they need to grow big and strong. That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin for kids. Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need. And yes, Even your picky eaters will approve. I know mine does. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables. Then it's supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals to help support our kids' growing brains and bodies. And Haya vitamins are sent straight to your door, which means you set it and forget it and give yourself one less thing to worry about. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash fresh. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H, HayaHealth.com slash fresh to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, I'm back and my family members are watching and Amy's going to tell me what to do. (laughs) Well, in some ways, maybe family members can be more charged than strangers because at least on the airplane, you'll never have to see most of these people again. Being watched by family is the top of the parenting with an audience food chain. Sarah Coyne wrote an absolutely terrific article called Parenting with an Audience Changes the Rules. She wrote it for the Joplin Globe, and I'm going to put a link to it up on whatfreshoutpodcast.com. And she really unpacked this issue in a really interesting way. So she says, paradoxically, she thinks that the embarrassment she has of parenting with an audience is more likely around people she loves or trusts, that random strangers don't incite second guessing in her, but Aunt Sally does. 
Oh, I don't even, I'm just confused by the word paradoxically in that. Yeah. Like I don't find that paradox at all. Like that seems very obvious to me. Obviously I'm more concerned. Right. And not even your own parents. I'm definitely more aware of what my in-laws who are wonderful, by the way, but people who are related to my husband think of my parenting than what my own family thinks of my parenting, because at least in many ways, my parenting style is based on the way I was raised, right? For sure. And I think there's a great role. I see this very, very clearly in my sister-in-law, who I talk about all the time on the podcast, who parented extremely well these four kids. She knows a lot about child development. She runs a school. She's extremely learned in these things. Her kids are all high accomplished, you know, wonderful people. And to me, she's like intimidating to be around, you know, because I'm like, oh, she did it right. And she's going to watch me and think that I'm doing it wrong, you know. And one thing I noticed is like, I can think of an example where we were all sitting at her kitchen table and my like three and four year old boys were making just poop jokes, basically, you know, like as they are wont to do, which in my house would just go on all through dinner. And then I might at some point be like, guys, let's dial it down a little bit. It's getting a little bit too gross. But I got very performative. Like my children don't usually talk about poop. Usually we talk about Kant at the dinner table, but I don't know what's going on with them now. Like this whole thing of like, I have to shield my sister-in-law from thinking that my children talk about poop. And then after a couple of minutes of me doing this whole, like, let's cut it out and then them doing it again. Then I had like drawn the stupid line of like, you can't talk about this. And I was in so over my head. And my sister-in-law was like, you know what? They're totally fine. They're not bothering me. And it really, I was like, okay, like, let me let this go. Because I would venture to guess that 99% of the time you are doing a full performance for your family members. You are trying to cover up something they are not judging you and don't care about. The things that you're trying to cover up, they've already seen. You know what I mean? Like you're covering the wrong things. Sometimes they think the way you cover it up is crazy. Like you're not going to get this right. So it's great to let yourself let go of a lot of it. But also the people for whom you are covering up can let you off the hook to a certain degree too. Like I now, my husband has three younger sisters, all of whom have young kids now. And I try when I'm with them because I have older kids, because I host a parenting podcast, because I talk a lot about parenting. I try to lean in a little bit on like, oh my God, your kids are awesome. Look at them. They're so funny. I love the way that they're like throwing food at each other at the table. They're so joyful. Like whatever it happens to be, I try to give voice to like, you're doing a great job so that I try to let them off the hook for feeling like they ever have to do that in front of me, you know? Right. I never really thought about that, like the parenting. You're still stuck on what I think you are doing that's crazy. The things that I think are paradoxically that you're like, those are obviously, those aren't paradoxically at all. Well, I say this all the time that like we did in the best advice episode. I had an ex-boyfriend who gave me the world's great. It was the greatest advice. I give it to myself constantly. This is the best advice I ever gotten in my life. Which was just, I was telling him like, well, this person, and we were at this party and she thinks that I am talking too much and she's this. And he was like, your whole life would change if you could realize how rarely anyone else ever thought about you. And like, I've heard that advice since, but when he said it to me, it was literally like the like sound happened. And like, I think all the time that everyone is running around constantly judging my parenting. And the thing is, people are to some degree, you are in the elevator being like, oh, God, guys, don't indulge the sippy cup thing. You're handling this exactly wrong. But 
I mean, you are talking about it on a podcast weeks later, but you know what I mean? You're not sitting around all night. It's a topic. You're not like writing a journal and being like, and then they did this horrible. Like you're thinking about it as a passing thought. It's not like everyone is laser focused on each other in this way that really matters. The other night I was sitting at a campfire. It was like a sort of a barbecue. Was it a restaurant? It was a barbecue and they had like a campfire outside, which is really fun, right? Oh, excuse Amy. She's like the, what's that lady's name? The cowgirl chef who has a... Pioneer woman. You're the pioneer woman, Amy. Look at you. If pioneer woman had you over, it would be like this. Nobody had a guitar. That was the only, it was like 99.9% perfect. So we were sitting around to chatting by this fire and this guy's kids were running a little wild, whatever. We had, you know, sticks. They had like s'more sticks, of course, like with the marshmallows and this, like a metal thing, you know, you could stick into the fire, like a giant fork. So you didn't have to use just whatever stick you found in the woods. And this kid was running around waving it. So I am definitely being the audience like bad idea, bad idea, bad idea. Then this kid comes up behind one of my kids and starts poking through my kid's hair with this still somewhat hot metal thing he'd had in the fire that also had melted marshmallow on it. This is like my big kid, like my high schooler. And he sort of was like, what's that? And he, and he sort of looks back, looks at the kid, looks at me like, can I say something? Like, can I take a swing at this like stranger's kid? And then he starts to do it again. And then, you know, the father was like, hey, what are we doing there? Like, we talked about personal space. And the kid was like, he has lice. I'm checking his hair for lice. And like, and then the father starts totally indulging that. Like, oh, I hope he doesn't have lice. I'm like, this stranger's kid just stuck a kind of hot poker in my kid's hair. And there was nothing to do in that situation but be like, uh, nice meeting you. We're leaving because it was so bonkers. And yet I couldn't say anything. But I was a judgy, judgy audience in that situation. Oh, yeah, that's fine. I might have gone the extra step. I just saw one of those clickbaity headlines. It's like, never discipline my child in front of me. And I'm like, oh, too bad. Then don't hang out with me. If you don't want my your kid to be disciplined. I was walking through town the other day and there were some like 13 year old boys. We live in like we kind of live in. Um, I can't. My references are escaping me today. I'm having like an old lady morning. What's like the like idyllic 50s town with like, you know, with the little redheaded kid from Happy Days? Like, leave it to Beaverland. Oh, Andy. Yeah, my gosh. Not Andy Rooney, not Andy Cleaver. The Andy Griffith Show. Andy Griffith Show. But there's a town that happens in some. I mean, we are so old, Locks Alert. This is like Mayberry. That's the name of the town. We're kind of Mayberry, our little town. And so it was an early dismissal day. So it was like every school dumped out into the middle of town. I was walking through town and there were some kids loudly cursing each other, middle school kids, just like throwing F-bombs around downtown. And like all the kids are walking around and I was walking through and I was like, guys, come on, watch your mouths. There's little kids around. And my 10 year old was like Popeye, like, what did you just do? And I'm like, we're a village people. Like you're not going to sit around and like scream curse words in front of kindergartners on my watch. Like, I don't know. I think it's totally... There is an audience and I'm part of the audience. And like, I'm not going to go over and be like, listen, I'm a parenting expert. And the way you are dealing with the sippy cup tantrum is inappropriate. In fact, if you set these boundaries, like I'm never going to do that. You know what I mean? But if you are way out of bounds in front of me, you're going to hear about it from me. Would you have said something in this particular s'mores poker? I mean, I've never been particular fantasy barbecue situation, Amy. So, but it's hard because if the kid's parent wasn't there, you can bet I would have, you know, said like, here's the 10 reasons that's inappropriate. Right. But when the parent is sitting there and does nothing, it's, it's hard to know what to do in that situation. So I did nothing. 
It's hard because that becomes performative in and of itself, right? That becomes a whole bit of like, I am going to be the parent, blah, 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 blah. In general, we often have, because my kids are still that age, like we often have gatherings where there are like five parents and 20 kids and we all discipline each other's kids. And like, that is the expectation. I think with strangers, it's a little bit harder, but And my sister and I basically, we're always together with our kids. And if her kid's on my couch and she's there, I'm like, hey, get off the couch. And then she'll often turn around and be like, what are you doing on the couch? Like, I don't know. If she was like, oh, look at you jumping on the couch. It's so cute. I think I would be like, actually, we don't do that in this house. You have to get down. Like, those situations are very tricky. But I think... I mean, if it's a dangerous situation, I think I would probably say something. But I might just be like, we're close enough to wrapping up that we don't need to lean in. There might be situations where you are the parent to whom a stranger is commenting or intervening in a difficult situation. Like, have you ever been in aisle six at Target and your kid is melting down and either your mom or, you know, somebody walking by says, oh, okay, come on over here. Don't you cry a little. they, They intervene. Sometimes helpfully, often very unhelpfully. Yes. So, and that can be stressful. And then you're parenting for what this person thinks. And now they're like grading your science fair project standing there while you address the situation. So Dr. Laura Markham says that you need to come up with something sort of ahead of time. You can have a sort of catchphrase that you will say to any onlookers who might comment. So you can have a standard answer such as, he'll be okay. We just need a little time alone. And you can use that with the checkout person at the supermarket and your father-in-law. You know, it doesn't matter. And with the checkout person, I think giving voice to it is very helpful in general. I know this is rough, but I just made the executive decision that we're going to just check out and get out of your way. And this is going to be happening the whole time. You know what I mean? If the kid's melting down and you're like, I got to get out of here with these groceries, I don't care. You can give voice to that. Like, yep, this stinks, but I'm not leaving without these groceries. So let's get this done and I'll get them out of here because this isn't getting any better. Like, and it helps to people to know you're in control, you know? And sometimes I will, if I have a kid on a flight, I mean, I don't usually, thank God, I'm flying with my 11-year-old, so I better be careful what I say. But like, I'll often be like, yeah, he always falls asleep, but sometimes it takes a while and I apologize, you know, and try to say like, this is where we're at, guys, and this is where we're going. I wish I said this in the hot takes episode we did last week. I hate when people get on planes and feel the need because of social media, I think, to hand out like little bags of candy with a poem like, my baby, it's her, you know, first time on an airplane and she might be kind of sad, like stop. Get off Pinterest, people. Yeah. Yes. Even if it was prose, even if it was just free verse, don't do it. I object 100% to poem, 99% to prose. I agree. Because it's just like you don't owe people candy for the fact that you brought a child on a flight, which is it is a free country and sometimes babies need to go somewhere. I would suggest strongly that the minute you see the bag of candy, you should know you're already in trouble. Like this is a person who's already doing performative stuff and like it's not going to end there. And then you're going to be like, what was the kid's name? Michael. Daddy. Oh, daddy brought Lord of the Rings. We had a guy on a cross country flight who read the Lord of the Rings in full voice to his like three year old the entire way across the country. With characters like Grundle and whoever had. Oh, God. It was all going on. And I mean, in full voice to be like, I am reading Lord of the Rings to my son. And I wanted to turn around and be like, he's really too young to be listening to Lord of the Rings. That is developmentally inappropriate and also wildly annoying. I did have somebody on a plane 
lose it on one of my family members. I won't say who the family member was, but we were flying with our extended family and our three kids. My youngest child was about nine months old and she was being a perfect, quiet angel on this flight. But there was another family member who was being a little performative with the like, oh, why are you being a good girl? Like, are you doing like loud? It wasn't me and it was my husband and I'll leave you to your imagination who it is. There are a lot of family members on this flight with us. It was an adult. And okay, I thought it was a child. No, no, no. And a woman like two rows in front of us, like was like, I was asleep. <laughs> and like, and I was awakened, not by the baby, but by you. Can you just like not do that for like 15 minutes? And she was furious and she wasn't wrong. Yeah, I am often struck as a person who I think over calculates my behavior based on other people's judgment. When I run across people who seem so wildly oblivious to their setting, like the loud talker on the plane, I was recently on a plane that was super delayed. And like the two guys in front of me got talking about golf. It was the time plane took off was midnight. The lights are out. It's dead silent on the plane. And they're like, you know, what's a great course. They didn't know each other. They had just met that Huntington to that. Have you par six? And they were just two like young thirties bros talking at the top of their voice. And I finally just stood up and I was like, excuse me, I think everyone on the plane is trying to sleep. And they were kind of like, oh, excuse, like, bro, they were like, suddenly like all bro with me, like, oh, oh, excuse us, like, ma'am, you know, and I was like, okay, whatever, but shush. How do you not realize that you're the only two people talking? Then again, I did once end up in the quiet car of a train and I was talking at the top of my voice and I did not notice that we were the only people in the car talking and someone did have to come up to us and be like, this is the quiet car. And I was, I had at least the presence of mind to be humiliated and realize I'd done wrong. And be quiet. You weren't like, don't step to me. You were fine with that. But I guess sometimes if you're in your own head, like you don't like, how did I not realize that I was the only person in the, my friend and I were the only people and we were like bah, 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 drinking beers on the train. And you were talking about something really important. I got to look at the man in the mirror. And that's <laughs> what I'm realizing. All right. We have to take a break. We'll be right back. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking it. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how 
all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks. And now, the 2019 Mom's Performance for an Audience Awards. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Our first nominee is Chrissy Engstrom from Dayton, Ohio, for her performance in I Can't Believe You're Acting Like This. My goodness, honey. I can't believe you were throwing a tantrum like this in Target. Oh my goodness. Hitting? I have literally never seen you like this before. I am shocked by this completely out-of-character behavior. Next up is Tanisha Holland in Sorry We're Late. So, so sorry we're late. Someone wouldn't find their shoes. Like I keep saying, put on your shoes. But I guess she must have heard, I'd love it if you'd find mommy's lipstick and rub it all over the bathroom towels. Having kids is fun, huh? It's always an adventure. We recognize Sally Porter in... You will not speak to me that way. You hold on just one minute, young lady. You know I will not be spoken to that way at the grocery store. Oh, eye-rolling? Absolutely not tolerated in my world, Missy. How dare you? A commanding performance by Sheila Martin in I regret that my son just said you're ugly to you when you said hello. Jakey, you know we don't talk about people's appearances in public. Remember? We talked about this that time. You told the nice lady at the pharmacy she looked like a witch. And when you told the old man at church he's going to heaven soon. Yes, I want you to use your words, but just not those words. Let's go. And finally, Kate Piermont for her truly searing performance in Look How Quiet I Am Trying to Keep You on This Airplane. Okay, that's right. Get it out of your system, honey. Would you like a cracker? No, you'd rather kick the nice lady next to you in the face. That's a poor choice. It's a poor choice, okay? Only four more hours to go. Okay, let's try to stop shrieking, sweetheart. Ooh, let's ring the call button and see if they'll bring Mommy and our seatmate a cocktail. Ladies, you are all winners to us. This has been the 2019 Moms Performance Front Audience Awards from the What Fresh Health Podcast. Okay, so there's one other situation about parenting with an audience that I think we should discuss, and it's when the audience is another parent, usually a mom, that you might not know that well. So I'll set the stage for you. There's a blog called Odd Mom Out, and Katie Beth wrote a post called Parenting for an Audience. I'll put the link up on whatfreshhealthpodcast.com. This is something people are talking about. It's funny. When you suggested this topic, I was like, I don't know what it means, but it's obviously something people think about. It's something, I mean, there wasn't a ton on it. I was actually looking for studies on do people parent differently in front of strangers, and there haven't been a ton of studies, it doesn't seem, but maybe there don't need to be because it's a thing. So Katie Beth, she tells this story. I thought it was very emblematic of this situation. She says, when my son was about four, I went to the zoo with another mom who insisted that her son hold on to the stroller when he wasn't riding in it. 
And she said, this would never have occurred to me. The zoo wasn't crowded. I was going to let my son run around. But because this other mother was so insistent, she made her son hold the handle of the stroller the whole way. She says, he was incensed, well aware that I had sold us both out. The look he gave me is drilled into my memory. I don't parent for an audience. That's a good point. We've talked about this with when other parents have different rules. And it's a good point. And it is the kind of thing that like I was telling this story on a recent podcast. I remember that like we don't play Fortnite and that we went to a friend's house who they do play Fortnite. And my nine-year-old was like, well, we don't play Fortnite because my mom thinks it's inappropriate. (laughs) And I was like, oh, dude, I don't think it's inappropriate for you. I just for a list of reasons that aren't interesting, we don't do it at my house. And like that thing of like, well, these are our rules. These are your rules. And if we can't do that this way, then either then we have to stop going to the zoo together, basically. You know, I do think it's difficult when you have really different rules. And I do think you could say to your kid, we're with Jimmy's mom and Jimmy's mom wants him to stay with the stroller. So why don't you be a good example and stay with your stroller? Like, I think there's a way to get on the same page. Like, I think if it makes it, if the other kid, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think if you can adapt to each other's rules or you can be like, we have different rules, but it's good to kind of talk it out so that you're not just in a weird situation where you're like, I'm pretending to be a certain kind of parent. I can think of a particularly uh, bad parenting moment for myself. When I was in this situation, I was with a another mom and her mm, two-year-old, I guess, maybe even younger than that, one and a half. And they'd come to visit us and stay overnight at a weekend house that we had rented. And, you know, really liked this woman. Our kids got along really well. But there were two little boys. They were toddlers, you know, looked away for a second, hear a screaming, look over. And my son has bitten the other son's arm in a way that in the moment seemed to me like the most horrible thing that had ever happened to anyone. Now, from, you know, the distance of time, I can say, okay, a not unthinkable thing for one toddler to do to another. Awkward. She was, you know, very upset that her son was hurt. I parented for an audience. I like wanted to show her that I was sufficiently outraged for the injury to her kid. I completely overdid it. I like, you know, grabbed my kid by the elbow, dragged him around the corner of the house and screamed at him, really scared him. And then came back around the corner and see like her looking at me like, Jesus, like this way. me. <laughs> That's exactly what I was just saying, right? Like she already think like your performance is almost always making it worse. Like you're like, look at what I'm doing. First of all, people see through it. And second of all, like they think your performance is worse than what happened, right? That's a really good point. Yes. And I definitely, Sarah Coyne, I'm going to quote her on this because it made me think of that time. She says, things get really mixed up when we step out of our embarrassment and into harsher punishments, public criticisms, and unrealistic expectations of our kids just because people are watching. And I wish I didn't do that. By the way, like I'm still friends with that woman. Like We got through it, but it is a moment that I didn't handle appropriately and wish I had. And the thing is, you're going to parent differently when the people are watching. Like, this is not a solvable problem in terms of like, here's how to not do this anymore. But it's a really interesting thing to think about. We once were at a overnight event and one of the people had brought a toddler and there was probably, I think it was one of the only kids there. It was. (laughs) And spoiler alert, it was up until like one o'clock in the morning running around the house finding things and like literally throwing them at people at the gathering. Just like, what was the word? A hellion. I mean, a hellion. But 
I was not in a position at this gathering to be the person to be like, are we insane? Like we're in a horror movie basically where we're being tormented by a two-year-old who first of all should have been in bed four hours ago. And second of all, is being allowed to like pick up like objects off the end tables and hurl them at the guests. Like it was insane. And I do think like that's where like a little social shaming never hurt anybody. Like you can't be doing that. And I've talked about my husband's from Texas and I've been in Texas sometimes. One thing I do and I notice at the playground at my kid's school, I'm a screamer. I'm just always like, get over here, we're leaving. And like people turn around and they look at me like, who is shrieking? Who is like the crazed eagle mom, like shrieking. And I'm like, oh, I guess that is a little unpleasant. I guess I should stop doing that. But I don't really, because that's kind of how I parent. But in Texas, sometimes I'll yell to a kid like, hey, cut that out. And I don't know if it's a Texas thing, but like often like an older man will be like, mind your mother. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, geez, now if he does it again, now this dude's involved in it. And like, that does drive me absolutely bonkers. Like, I got it. Thanks. But he thinks he's helping. And in a way, I'm team that guy in terms of like, I think there's a room for the village voices, you know, to be like, hey, we're part of a village and like, don't curse in the town square when there are kindergartners walking around. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I am. I would tell kids to stop cursing. And, you know, listen, there's a lot of layers and levels to that. But like, I think that there is a role of the village, but I think if you're busy putting on a show about what an amazing mom you are and look at me do it, first of all, you're not fooling anyone. And second of all, you're probably making poor choices as a result of that. Mm -hmm. It's not child-centered choices at the very least. Yeah. And this is the kind of thing that like, it's especially problematic. We talked about this in the grandparents episode. If you are with people all the time, like for me, I feel like this doesn't play a giant role in my life because I live in a house. We're a little back from the street. Like we, I'm not constantly in front of other people with my kids. And so I guess like, I don't, I'm not facing this day to day to day. I think we should talk briefly about the role that online plays in this, which is the performative nature. And I told this story before, but it is germane, Amy. And so I will bring it up again, that at some point I had gotten, we're reading Harry Potter as a family, we're reading it out loud. And I had gotten like chocolate frog molds and we were all sitting around reading Harry Potter and eating chocolate frogs. And I was like, I should take a picture of this and put it online. And I resisted that impulse because I was like, this is one of those moments where like this represents 0.00001% of the time that happens in our house. We are not often all sitting around reading a novel and eating a treat that I have baked themed from that novel. And so to put that online is so bonkers and the instinct is kind of bonkers. Well, who are you doing it for? Are you doing it for your kids or are you doing it for, right? I'm doing it for everybody to say like, look at me. We're sitting around reading a novel. Like I'm not putting up the picture of my kid who was like, I hate reading. This is dumb. Like I'm not putting that video online. I'm putting the like pristine picture of like us all like sitting by the hearth, reading a novel out loud. And this has been written about a million times. We all kind of know it in our DNA, but like it does seep in. Like I often have that experience where I have someone I barely know and I only see them on Facebook and I'm like, oh my God, they're the perfect family. Like 
everything they do together is like frogging out in the pond and fishing and jumping off docks and then reading. And and then I'll see that person in real life and I'm like, how are you going? And they're like, oh, we're having a terrible month. This kid is like really having a tough adjustment back to school. And I'm often like, I almost gasp. I'm like, wait, what? Oh, that's right. Like that whole life that I interact with you on Facebook is, it's not even that it's performative in terms of like, you're choosing to be performative about it, but like we only show our best selves that it's curated more than performative. It's just very like, oh, that's right. Like, I just can't tell you how many times I've had that experience of being like, that's the perfect family. And then you see the person, they're like, we're getting a divorce. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, I've only ever seen you like posting love poems to each other and like dancing in like a garden, like with like fireflies around you. Sarah Coyne says that as a sort of like takeaway for all of this, she says that instead of thinking about pleasing onlookers or pleasing your Facebook followers or whatever, you need to think about strengthening your connections with your kids. So make the chocolate frogs if you're doing it to strengthen your connection with your kid. Discipline the kid for having bitten his friend in a way that is about strengthening the connection with the kid and making sure it doesn't happen again, not impressing the other mom that you're upset enough. And she says, I love this quote, kids need consistent, reliable, trustworthy parents who don't change their game plan based upon who's acting as witness. Agree. Except for don't let your kid have a tantrum in the restaurant either. Like, it's like, it's both. Oh, no, yeah. I don't think she's saying that, but it's don't. She would say, if your kid's having a tantrum in the restaurant, focus on the kid. Like, get the kid outside, you know, figure out what's going on. Like, you're deciding to, excuse me, young man, or whatever the six sort of performative options are in this moment, right? Those are about the audience, not about the need of the kid who's not being met because he's tired, because he's hungry, because he closed his finger in the chair while you weren't looking, right? There were reasons that are fixable more quickly than by your worrying about what Anthelma thinks. And as the potential audience, your role is like, when you can let the performer off the hook. When your kid gets bitten, it's like, ugh, this could happen to anybody. You know, like when you're sister-in-law, cousin, friend is struggling with her kids. It's like, oh, we've had days like that. When the kid is melting down in Target, it's like, oh my gosh, I've been there a million times. Can I help at all? Okay. Otherwise I'm moving on, you know, like try to be good audience as part of this. And we talked a lot about it in the grandparents episode. Like your helpful suggestions are probably not helpful. We have a very long-standing phrase in our family, which is Thank you for that helpful suggestion, which is the way you let your spouse know that they are weighing in on something that you would rather not have their opinion on or, you know, whatever you run the PTA and people are like, what you should really do. And it's the phrase is just thank you for that helpful suggestion, like, or thank you for letting me know how you feel like your input is heard and noted, but that's all it is. It's just heard and noted. I'm not actually going to go crazy trying to be the parent, especially the parent that like the Texas guy thinks I should be in the five minutes that I pass him, you know, like heard and noted. Thank you. Yeah. And I think the goal for us is to maintain that heard and noted, even in the moment when your kid is screaming on the airplane, like people's input, it is what it is. You've also been the person whose kid is screaming while you're trying to get some work done. Like it happens and people want the kid quiet. They aren't there for your floor show on how much you love Sophia. And I think there's just a quick distinction between like heard and noted 
person who has different values than I do in the Texas playground and heard and noted person who my child is genuinely annoying on this airplane or like those you actually have to note. You have to also note a little bit like heard and noted is like kids should respect their moms. Okay. Heard and noted. Thank you. That doesn't actually matter to me, but heard and noted. This is the quiet car of the train. I'm actually going to quiet down and get my kid out of here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm not saying you don't address the situation. I'm just saying that the more you're focusing on everybody looking at us instead of why is my kid? So, you know, how can I get this kid to calm down? It's actually counterproductive. Agree. And we solved it. All right. Good. 100%, Amy. Nailed this one down. We're geniuses. This is a really interesting topic. There's many facets I feel like we didn't even fully get to today. Oh, no, this could be a four-parter, parenting for an audience. But this did come from our Facebook page, this suggestion. So come and suggest topics you want to hear about on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash what fresh hellcast. You can also join our Facebook group where you can talk to other people who listen to the podcast. You can be like, don't you think Amy and Margaret are geniuses? Or don't you think Amy and Margaret are crazy? You can talk amongst yourselves. It's fine. It doesn't even have to be about us. People are giving each other advice and it's awesome. Yes, that's it. It's really not about us. They're like, what can I do with my kid who has a chance to run an airport? Right. And uh, you can find us on Twitter at WFH Podcast. And you can find us on Instagram at WFH Hellcast. And you can find links to these articles that Amy so carefully researched on your behalf because she's a giver at whatfreshhellpodcast.com. Come read them and make her feel good about her hard work. Thanks for listening, you guys. Talk to you next time. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, You'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.